The opinions and viewpoints expressed in .NET Rocks are not necessarily those of its sponsors or of Microsoft Corporation, its partners, or employees. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, which is solely responsible for its content. Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter. Hey, Rockheads, don't let that jock kick sand on your laptop. It's time for another stellar episode of .NET Rocks, the internet audio talk show for .NET developers with Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. This is Lawrence Ryan announcing show number 356, featuring the XML Literals panel at TechEd US. Recorded live Tuesday, June 3rd, 2008. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter, and now offering SharePoint 2007 video training with Sahil Malik on DVD, ENRTV style. Order your copy now at www.franklins.net. Support is also provided by Telerik, combining the best in Windows forms and ASP.NET controls with first-class customer service. Online at www.telerik.com. And by Data Dynamics. Makers of ActiveReports.net, simple, powerful, and cost-effective reporting for Windows Forms and ASP.NET Web applications. Online at www.datadynamics.com. Support is also provided by Code Magazine, the leading independent magazine for .NET developers. Online at www.code-magazine.com. And now, the man whose USB toaster needs a new final resistor... Carl Franklin. Hey, 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 it's .NET Rocks time. It's our Thursday show. Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell here for the next hour. Hey, Richard. Howdy, sir. How are you? We are on opposite sides of this continent we call North America. Indeed we are. Uh, I'm sitting here looking at uh, my Better Know framework for today. Why don't we just get right into it? Excellent. All right, man. Heavy hard. Man, you know, we're we're trying to do Mondays, but it's just really, really hard. <laughs> Mark yeah, can't do it on challenges. Friday, and you can't do it on Saturday, and next week uh, there's going to be like a party here. Maybe we can do it on the 12th if there's a big party. Maybe, maybe, maybe we'll have an audience. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Oh, well. Today I want to talk about object initializers in Visual Basic mm. named, with named and anonymous types. Basically, uh, when you have and when you create a new object with a new keyword, you can say you know dim object name as uh, equals new customer with, and then in braces you can say dot property equals and then a value comma dot property equals another value. What's cool about that is you can do it with anonymous types, so you can leave out the uh, the type customer. You can just say dim cust1 equals new with, and then provide a series of property names and values. And you've got yourself a nice little anonymous type. Danger! 
Danger, Will Robinson. Where's the danger? Well, just you got to be careful when you're using anonymous types, you know? You, you just you got to be careful because they don't have a type. You you go to inspect them That's and what they makes go them anonymous. Huh? Yeah. The name of the anonymous types generated by the compiler and can vary. So your code shouldn't use or rely on them if you need to access them by their type. So but anyway, I think that uh, that's a pretty cool uh, cool way to initialize an object, especially sure. especially good if you only have a few properties to set. Um, just saves a little bit of typing, and it's kind of clean. There you go, object initializers. Richard, you have an email for us? I do indeed. You're going to like this one. All right. Hang on to your hat. It's, we're going to have a Monday's moment here. I think. Oh, no. <laughs> and I would point out it says, good evening, Carl. He left me out of the equation entirely, maybe just because he's Maybe he's just a little intimidated. Well, we all have our fans. There you go. You have yours, I have mine. So I decided to take a break from getting laid all the time to listen to your .NET Rock show or whatever it what? is called. What? As a show <laughs> of a support to my friend Donald Belcom, who begged me to listen so that all, he could tell his mother that someone, anyone, listened to his appearance. Oh. Imagine my disappointment when his this interview turned out to be a pile of trash. Oh. Where is the investigative journalism? Where are the probing questions? No challenges on Mr. Belcom's usage of the Igloo Coder nickname when he's on dating sites? No what? questions about Moose? What? So what do you consider Brownfield? <laughs> oh my goodness. Snore. How about some technical mm. questions about what your audience really cares about? Like, Donald, can you enumerate all the reasons Justice Gray is your sexual role model? <laughs> Or, Donald, what's it like hanging around with Justice Gray in public? Or, Donald, does anyone consider you more masculine for owning five copies of Sophie B. Hawkins' Damn, I Wish You Were My Lover? What the hell is this? Carl, I know you are obviously new to the interviewing game, so I will spare you a lengthy discourse on journalistic integrity and forgive you for the hour of my time I could have spent giving the opposite sex on this continent a collective orgasm just by breathing sexy-like. I will only say that you are in my prayers, and I hope one day for a new Carl Franklin, faster, stronger, more alive, will be forged from the fires of my commentary. Oh, wow. I only pass this along because I care about our industry. <laughs> From the fine fellow Justice Gray, who really needs no introduction anymore. Yeah. Wow. I I've, just couldn't leave it alone, man. I, I think I have to send the guy a mug. Absolutely. That deserves a mug. <laughs> Absolutely. Wow. I don't know what to say after that, man. I'm just... Uh, I, feel... I, I would point out it is Thursday. Yeah. And uh, and we're doing another one of the panel discussions from TechEd US. That's right. And before we talk about that, let's talk about uh, your trip to New York. Not your, Richard, but your listeners. I've been to New York. Your trip to New York. I'm talking yes. about your year-long tour in the Big Apple, living in an apartment rent-free for a year, work with some really creative and exciting people for a year. Just come to the city and hang out and work and have fun and make some money. And then uh, you know who knows what happens. But if you're yeah. interested in this, uh, if you're interested in this golden opportunity, which fourteen or fifteen other .NET Rocks listeners have already taken us up on, not us, but Infusion, you want to go check out my blog post about it at shrinkster.com/kh6. And uh, another thing that we mentioned on Tuesday's show, and we've already got two responses to it, 
is that um, Infusion is, has uh, just signed a deal with Microsoft to do a whole bunch of uh, development for the Surface machine. Oh, yeah, Microsoft Surface, the, the coffee table computer. Right. So they're looking for developers who want to get into Surface. And uh, that should be a whole lot of fun. Can you? I I want to do that. I want to program that thing, man. So if you're interested in that, just send me an email, Carl at Franklin's.net, and uh, and I'll hook you up. Awesome. All right, so let's uh, roll the footage, shall we? Absolutely. Of, of that uh, excellent discussion on XML literals from TechEd. Hey, this is Carl Franklin. I'm here with Richard Campbell. We're at TechEd. Howdy, sir. Crazy day. TechEd developers. Our one audience member. Thank oh, you, sir. And a few TechEd bloggers as well. I see Rob Windsor over there. Get the love. Okay, Come on. If, if you count them, there are four. Uh, well, you know, it's it's just after lunch. I think everybody's in sessions, but don't worry. We get lots yeah, of reach. Probably what's going to happen is more people will come by and observe the train wreck on their way back from lunch. Yeah, that's right. Halfway through, we'll get it. Well, okay. Now we have five. That's good. Well, anyway, <laughs> we're here at TechEd Developers. We're talking with uh, Eric Thompson, Cheyenne Pother, and Beth Massey about XML literals, VB XML literals for C-sharp developers. What are you thinking, you crazy, crazy person? I, 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 Fox I, I, Pro messes with your mind. You know that. Or how I learned to stop worrying and love DIM. I love DIM. You love DIM. Well, you've always loved DIM. Yeah. Eric is the one I'm concerned about. So you were, you're a C sharp yes. developer turned. You've seen the light. Exactly. So I'm, I've always been a C sharp developer. But yeah. when I started working on the data programmability team, working on XML technologies, and really got to see what XML literals could do, I was converted. You know, anytime I was going to have to do an XML application now, you know, VB is. If turn the light for me, I yeah. can see the light. Now That's, is the answer here that you got to switch to VB.net to do your work? Well, so that's the good question. I mean, so there's a lot of places where I still prefer to use C-sharp. Okay. But when I'm dealing with XML, VB makes it so easy. So uh, I'm kind of torn between, you know, where do I stop using VB and start using C-sharp? It's, it's not an easy, not an easy choice to and make. And Shyam, what's your... So um, I am actually new to this space, but I've been um, presenting about uh, Link to XML and VB XML for about six months now. And over that time, I think I share a lot of the sentiment that Eric um, expressed, which is, you know, I come from a C-sharp background, and looking at this, the VB stuff, it just looked kind of strange. But really, the productivity gains that you get from the XML literal stuff are um, so good that you find yourself wanting to use that. And actually, thankfully, with the common you know, .NET framework infrastructure, you're able to build applications and services by, uh, you know, you can use different languages for different tasks. And, um, you know, in the case where you're working with XML, working in VB makes a lot of sense. And Beth, I know you've been a VB person for a long, as long as I have. Yeah, I'm on Visual Studio community team. So um, I'm definitely a, more of a VB background. Fox Pro before that, you mentioned before. Don't yeah. rag on Fox Pro. Oh, no. If I can't tease <laughs> Beth Massey, who can I tease? Yeah, it's true. Uh, I, I am not primarily a C-sharp developer. I'm a VB developer primarily. Right. So, But I used to do a lot of XSLT and, and right. XPath and that sort of stuff. So, you know, coming from, you know, having to do that and the context switch, it's so much nicer just being able to stay right within the language that I know the best. So do you see XML literals as a way now to bang C-sharp developers over the head? <laughs> not necessarily, but it is kind of a nice little smirk I get on my It is a nice little smirk. But for, before we go any further, for the three people out there who don't know what we're talking about at all. Let's back up and give some big picture. Uh, so Beth, since you're Ms. VB here, tell us what this feature really is so all about. In the way I like to explain XML literals is really anytime you need to 
query or create or transform XML, XML literals can be used. Okay, so XML literals are just an easy way to create documents and visualize them and work with them in a what you see is what you get kind of way directly within the editor. So you're not going out to XSLT, you're not going out to so another product. So you're writing XML code, so to speak. You're writing XML. Most of the time I think you're And then you're embedding, it, right? you, can embed, you can use <laughs> embedded expressions to embed code within it yeah. to create documents. What is, something and then about you this that reminds me of ASP. Query. It does look like ASP, and that's kind of what threw me off initially. I'm, right, yeah. Fear is, the ASP. Like, exactly. Is the, are these just string literals that are being put it in, and I'm going to have to deal with all this maintenance nightmare? But actually, it's kind of cool, because under the covers, what happens is the VB compiler turns what looks right. like just XML into actually into linked XML API okay. calls. Yeah, and actually, so I'm right. going to add to that point. So a lot of what we're talking about, why, why VB XML literals is cool, is the developer productivity gains. But there's actually also some benefits benefits under the hoods as well. So when working with the link to XML API, there are certain patterns that if you use, you tend to get better performance and certain patterns that lead to, to worse performance. And if you're a C-sharp developer, you have to sort of know how to structure your code. And it's not difficult, but you have to remember to do it in the way that's most performant. The VB uh, compiler will actually take a literal expression and will automatically generate the most performant um, coding patterns underneath for, for using another, so, another thing that makes it better than ASP is that the environment itself, the development environment, the IDE, does a really good job of using contrast to sort of lighten up the XML so it doesn't interfere visually and conceptually with the code and all those other things. It's not just like a string. Right. It's not yeah. that blob right. of brown or blob of black that you're trying yeah. to figure out it's, where you missed off an angle bracket. And all those colors quote. are customizable too, yeah. so you can change them around <laughs> if they're colorblind. It's good. I always want a teal code. <laughs> always teal code. Yeah. yeah. Make the bad man stop. <laughs> uh, how would you do this in C sharp? So there's a couple of different options you could take. You could you could take your what you're trying to do in the XML literals and create a link to XML code in C sharp that does the equivalent. So that's sort of the the default way to do it if you want to stay in a pure C sharp environment. I know how I'd do it. I would create a DLL project in VB, yeah. do my thing return that and just make a reference to it in my C-sharp project. Right, same way yeah. you use a compiled transform. Absolutely. Right. But yeah, I mean, I, and that's using both languages in, at yeah. their strengths, but I'm thinking that mm -hmm. I find it odd how rarely we do that. That generally, yes. when we set up a project and we start working C-sharp, yeah. we stay in C-sharp. Yeah, There's think, really no excuse, but it's what we do. I think most developers grow up with one language, and right. it becomes their strength, and it's just you know resistance to go learn another one. Yeah. And much less to mix and match inside yeah. of a project. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, are you doing web development? Are you going back and forth between like JavaScript? I mean, it looks similar to C-sharp, but it's a different language. You are doing multi-language when you're doing a web Well, JavaScript's project. special, because I, you know, I have to wash my mouth out. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. I got <laughs> and there are Stay projects bad. that are trying to get rid of that distinction, like Volta, Project Volta, right. which is, you know, okay, well, now yeah. you don't need to worry about JavaScript. Right. Well, right. I mean, ASP.NET started that way, right? Yeah. We really have been trying to disguise the browser yeah. side of the problem for a long time. We just realized that there was consequences of that. We've sort of gone back the other way for a while. And yeah. Believe me, I'm really happy we now have some JavaScript parsing going on. Well, and, i, I got to tell you, I mean, any technology that makes Don Demsack say, hey, VB's not so bad. <laughs> Exactly. Yes, and actually, Don was not able to make it today, but was planning to be on this panel. Right. So it, yeah, it, it was, was great when I saw him. He came to the MVP summit, and it was right. you know, XML literals are awesome. Right. When I first and saw him talk about out. that, his reaction 
everyone was like, oh my god, we're screwed. Like, yeah. Yeah, he thought it was a horrible idea, and then he actually started playing with it, and he came around as well. Well, well didn't Anders do a demo? Didn't An- I mean, Anders Halberg, didn't he do a demo where he actually showed XML literals at one point? Yeah, I think it was MVP Summit last year. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It, it, it it just, and it gave the room chills. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Do you know what language you're in? Yeah. I gotta tell you my experience with it. I just based on the DNR TV I did with Don, right. I was able to take that basic idea, that code, mm-hmm. and I used it with our publisher, our .NET Rocks publisher, to take metadata about each show, wrap it up in an XML blob, and send it up to the server where the files are actually separated and published and all that stuff. Because we were having database connectivity issues right. from the ser- from that server across to our database in New London, it was breaking the publishing process. So I'm like, okay, I'll just package yeah. all this stuff up in a little XML file and send that metadata up there. Yeah. And it literally took me, no pun intended, nice. literally <laughs> took me about an hour to XML do. Yeah. Yeah. Was, Unlike that pun, which must have taken a day to figure out. Uh, yeah. No, that just came to me. I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, this is Carl. I just need to take a minute to tell you about the latest offerings from our friends at Telerik. As you probably know, they've recently released their huge pack of web controls built on top of ASP.NET AJAX that'll help you build impossibly fast and interactive applications in no time. But you've just got to check out their Windows Form stuff. It looks just like WPF. How about a carousel component in Windows Forms? How about a super powerful grid view control and 32 other desktop components with dazzling WPF-like features? In reporting, Telerik has this new design surface that simulates graph paper. And it's got so many advanced page layout capabilities, it looks more like graphic design software. So visit www.telerik.com and download a free trial. And make sure you thank them for supporting .NET Rocks. Well, you know what? I'll the, try thing to be a is, the thing is, is uh, as you use the feature more and more, you start to realize that everything is, is XML permeates everything we do. Really, XAML, yeah. your configuration files, you know, Visual Studio solution and project right. files are XML. Mm-hmm. You know, XML is everywhere. Office right? documents. Yeah. Office yeah. documents. And I was just right? talking to someone last night at one of the parties who worked on the MSN team. All of the content that gets published out through MSN goes through an XML content publishing engine. Sure. Well, you can actually use XML literals to. As multi-line strings in Visual Basic mm. because there's no underscores. It's literally a literal, you know, and so you can say dot value, you get the string. You have multi-line strings, you can do text merging. You can, so basically you're using XML, but you're getting the v- dot value at the end, you end up with a text file. You can do code generation, you can do, there's so many possibilities. This really does make XML a lot more accessible yeah. yes. to yeah. everybody, doesn't I, it? I remember seeing examples of where people wanted to, you know, before all this came along, people wanted to construct a simple piece of XML and they'd look at the APIs that, that were available, like the DOM APIs, and it's just, you know, okay. insurmountable, right? Oh, yeah, so, add element, add attribute. Right, and oh, what Lord. people would do, I would often see this, is people would cheat. What you do is you define a string yes. that is like the template, and you just do a sort of substitution in there for the values, which obviously gave you a nice programming model, but, I mean, you weren't getting real XML, and there were all kinds of validation issues you'd have. The XML literals you actually gives you that it. same experience, but with a proper DOM behind it and, and validation. Well, and, and IntelliSense. all those short 
sets are debug resistant, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. you're yes. constructing yep. a string and then trying to validate it as an XML document right. and then yeah. trying to figure out yeah. why it didn't work. Yeah. And especially with a lot of you know integrated like, content publishing solutions, you may not actually see the error until four steps down the line. Right, yeah. right. And now you have no idea what happened. Yeah. Well, also, you know, the code that you had to work with, the amount of code that you had to work with using the DOM, I mean, a, a, an attendee came up uh, yesterday at the VB booth. He had this long code. He was searching for a specific node fairly deep in this big XML. And I literally took and rewrote that thing in three lines, two lines of code, really. Yeah. Really. That I mean, was linked XML code, I presume. It was linked XML code. Yeah. I imported the schema and I wrote, you know, I, I loaded the document and I wrote one query and I did a for each loop on the results. And he he's like, I just got rid of all that code. So it's code maintainability too, yeah. right? The less code you write, the less errors you have. Absolutely. Right? But I'm also thinking about visibility. The, the string handling technique, the add attribute technique, all those methods of building an XML document obfuscate the document. You yeah. don't understand what's going right. on in yeah. it, much less trying to get stuff back out. Right, exactly. So, right, and, and just looking at it, you can come back to it year later and see exactly what you were doing. It's very easy to, uh, it's very easy to come back well, to it. Well, and Carl said it. We're going to take an XML document or a chunk of XML from somewhere else and we're going to paste it into our code and then mark it up. Yeah, that's the, that's the common experience. Right. You right. paste in an existing document, you take out the pieces of data that you need to substitute, yeah. you open up a, a, a what do we call those things? Embedded, expression? Express, embedded expressions. Expression hole? Is that what uh, I heard It's an embedded call? expression. I like, I, like, I like the expression hole terminology. Yeah, I kind of like expression like hole. Kind of stuff I, don't know, that's, yeah. I don't know why. But. Yeah, and that's compiled code. It's not yeah. script, okay? People yeah. might get confused, but that's VB compiled code, just like the other code you write sure. around the literal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, if anything, that was a mistake we made looking at too much like script, you know? But yeah. right. it, it's not. It does look a lot like ASP. Oh, no, no, it gave me chills the first time I looked at it, and I'm surprised that people would say exactly that. It's like, when we first think about this, we're like, oh, man, it's 1987 all over again. Like, what are we going to do? Yeah. And, and yeah, that then, was what Don said, too. Yeah. He was concerned that it was going to be ASP mm -hmm. cook all over again, but obviously it's not. And it's, there, it's, it's not just in the, you know, when you're doing the actual literals work. We have some cool enhancements with the querying as well. Yes, the access properties. So the access are properties are, yeah. are something that makes querying XML a lot easier. Right. Yeah. Right. So, so we have a three dot syntax for descendants. Okay, so three right. dot syntax, descendants, one dot for child, and an at for the attribute access when yeah. you're querying. And then when you have IntelliSense enabled, you just, you know, you can just grab there. any of the elements or the attributes right there. Yeah. So it's really I think easy. We're doing XSD inference now. Too, yeah. aren't we? So if right. you just have loose yeah. XML in your files, you can still use this this cool XML literal syntax, you know, with your descendants and your attributes and get IntelliSense. And there's, a, there's an, an XML to schema tool that will just infer any schemas. And what it'll do is it infer a common schema. So say you, say we're trying to pull RSS feeds. RSS is a good example because there's a common schema and then everybody's got a little flavor all the or something, right? Yeah. Okay, so and then there's Apple. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> Who lives in their own world. So what you can do is you can, the tool will infer multiple multiple XML documents. Okay, so they're all RSS feeds from our blogs and will infer a common schema, okay, and then you can start using that in your in your queries, okay. Yeah. So it's really, really, really easy to use. And what you just said about the whole dot syntax, just object dot property, yeah. this so e so much easier than creating XPath queries. I mean, there's so many little technologies that you had to just know yeah. and I'm learn. Like, it's familiar. It's it's the notation we've used to reference yeah. objects since. Goodness, before .NET. Well, you can do like a link query, select, paste in a piece of XML, put a yeah. couple embedded expressions, and now you've got a collection of X elements. It's really simple. That's great. And yeah. So to my mind, 
the link to XML part of link is the by far the most compelling thing because all the other methods of querying XML were another language, mm -hmm. a very right. challenging way to go yes. about it. Yeah. Well, that brings me to this question. Is there anything that we can't do with this that you'd need to do with XML? Is there anything that you just can't do? I personally haven't found anything. I, what, I mean, seriously. What happens when the document gets really, really big? I mean, I, that to me would sort of, because configuration documents are special, you know, that kind of right, reference yeah. information, right. meta structures, those are all small. But if we're talking yeah. about a real, you know, right. DOM style so, document. So um, I selected all the customers, all the orders, all the order details, all the products, um, all the suppliers and shippers in Northwind, and it took less than three milliseconds to create the document, and it took about 25 seconds or more to load it into Internet Explorer. Right. Yeah. Now, so, you know, said, I mean, that's a couple that, meg, you know, easily. Said, it's, it's still, you're, when you have XML literals or a link to XML, you're still pulling everything into yes. memory. Yeah. Yeah. This is the DOM model versus, however, DOM versus you know, the streaming model. However, it's compiled. However, it's compiled, right? It's compiled, right. So you do get the performance benefit of that comp compilation. Yeah. But right. So the thing to keep in mind is that even when you're, when you're using VB XML literals, I mean, under the hood there, there's a link to XML object model, right. which is tends to be lighter weight than DOM. It tends to, it, it, it's sort of done in a more pay-as-you-go kind of basis. You right. don't get a bunch of stuff in there unless you're actually using it, um, and and that's you know. Uh, but it is. Said, can, it's still a preload. It is. If still you a have a yeah. two gigabyte XML file, yeah. Well, you have other issues anyway. But yeah. yes. you know, <laughs> yeah. just yeah. don't be hauling that into memory and thinking it doesn't have consequences. Yeah. Yeah. How about you guys? Is there anything that you haven't been able to do, or that you don't think you'd be able to do? The only thing that I think that really the, the place where we miss things is if you don't have an XSD schema, if you have some other schematron or some other schema definition Or if language. you don't have one at all. Or if you... Yeah, well, you we do have the schema infer inference. Yeah, it's true. It's when you have the, the schema types that are, you know, don't really... We yeah. focus so much on XSD, I would say that's yeah. the one part where you want to do something yeah. with a different format and can't. So I would say the only thing is I think when working with mixed content, which is not something they do particularly often... Mixed content Mixed being content meaning if you have XML um, that has text nodes mixed in with elements with uh, so a good example is actually HTML or, or XHTML so I can have a bunch of I can have say a list element and it can have a bunch of text and then another um, you know anchor element inside there and then a bunch more text after that so the contents of that list element is text element and then some more text um, I, I think there's some improvements that can be made to the just the editing experience yeah, around that but it's a relatively minor concern. Yeah, querying, querying HTML, you can do it. It's yeah. just right. that the some the entities some entities aren't supported, right? Even in yeah. XHTML. That's what I was right? going to say. Does XHTML so make it easier? You just have to. I just what I do is I take them out and then yeah. query them. Yeah. You know, so I have on my blog. I show how to do that, how to do right. screen scraping. Yeah. And what is your blog? Uh, it's blogs.msdn.com/slash/bethmassey. Okay, with an I. With an I. Sorry. Yes, M A S S I. It's yeah. Italian. Well, that brought our show to a screeching nice. halt, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. Everybody's writing that no, down, right. yeah. Yes, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the other approach I wanted to mention, one way that you can use VBXML literals in another project that utilizes some of the new stuff we have with Visual Studio 2008 is extension methods. So if you actually have a model where you have your C-sharp application and you just want to now interject a method where from another location, namely from your VB project, mm, you can use right, that right. to get an entry point. Instead of having to do a DLL and then you have to you know, reference it and make sure that you have your public entry points and you have another API to maintain. Okay. So the question obviously comes up for C-sharp programmers, why can't I do this? You know, why, why isn't this, why is this VB only? 
So the C-sharp team has, has gotten a lot of feedback on this, and, but that's, currently there are no plans to implement XML literals in, really? in C-sharp. And I, there, there's some good reasons for that, I think. I mean, one of the reasons is, is you think about XML comes from a third party, W3C standards. Right. So then at this point, you have two standards. You have the C-sharp standard, and you have the W3C standard. Now you have to negotiate between those two, and you have to make sure that as one revs, you have to maintain that compatibility with the other one, and it's, things get very complicated. That's sort of purity quickly. over productivity, though, isn't it? In some sense, but you know, neither of us or none of us here are members of the C-Sharp team, so I don't know that we can really speak to motivations. Yeah, and, and but yeah. they all have to work for the company, right? So yeah. Yeah. this is just a source of nasty emails if yeah. we chase this too yeah. far. And clearly, exactly. I'm just trying to get you to ruin your career on, <laughs> on my show, so that's, that's all. Yeah. But yeah, it does, it does strike, it strike me as odd that the C-Sharp, C-Sharp language team and the, the, the programmers are very concerned about purity of the language, you know, even at the expensive features and productivity. They don't want too much muck in there. Well, I, I mean, a lot of times I think the question is a red herring. I mean, we have this capability. We have the CLR for a reason. Right. It's the ability to have multiple languages. Yeah. And we've always focused, okay, it's VB or C Sharp, but we have, you know, Fortran.net. We have all these other languages that we can integrate in. And we've never really taken advantage of that as developers. We've always wanted to remain in our own little silos and say, you know, anything that's outside me is evil and I don't want to touch it. And I think that XML literals is a great motivation factor to say, look outside the silo. Look outside and see what else you can do with other languages. Not just with VB, but with, right. you yeah. know, if you need to do mathematical modeling, there are other languages for doing that. Right. Integrate them in. We have the CLR. That's well, what it's In some respects, right. I felt yeah. that VB.net and C Sharp were too similar, and that was one of the reasons that yeah. we tended to want to pick one or the other. Where then I look at something like F Sharp and say, okay, that's a totally different approach to programming that makes sense for certain tasks. And so I might use that there, and, and I get a better feeling about mixing and matching my language. Right. So in some ways, I'm really appreciative that the VB team has taken a different tack and started to add features that are distinct and different so that we, we have a place to use it, that it makes sense. Yeah. Exactly. And, and still have our sort of generalized language for when we want to just write the core yeah. code. So, and, and I actually yeah, think this might, this particular feature might actually be something that that brings developers to VB who might not have thought about it otherwise. Because you know it's actually a relatively low overhead way to get into VB programming without knowing the whole syntax, True. and you can expand from there. So, is there any reason in 2008 to learn XPath? Any reason whatsoever? Well, I think standards like XPath and um, XSLT continue to be relevant in the sense that they are W3C standards, they're cross-platform, and there are a lot of enterprise environments where... Doesn't mean I have, have to learn them. No, that's or true. I should. The, I, 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 but I think in, in environments where people are trying to build things that run across different platforms, across Java and so on, yeah. um, those standards continue to, to be relevant. Well, okay. So does that imply that there is some cross-platform problems using... Uh, no, I, Maybe it's not .NET framework. It's .NET framework, right. so there's no link um, outside of the .NET framework. Yeah. No, but I mean, ultimately, you are generating XML, which can be read by. Oh, oh absolutely. Right. No, what no, he's that, saying is, if you're, if you're writing like XSLT because you need it to run on an IBM with no .NET, oh, I see, you sure. know, Java yeah. implementation, yeah. I see and you need, it, and it's easier to or maintain more generally, that if you need way. to do a query or a transform. So let me ask the question right, this way: exactly. If you're but, a .NET developer in 2008, yeah, working in the .NET. I have not world. found a word. Is there I, I a reason you... I would not I spend have, the time to learn it. No, me neither. You heard it here. I, I'm going to digress from that. I yeah, actually yeah. would. Okay. I actually would, because I think 
XSLT is a really kind of cool model in some ways because it has some functional programming constructs. It hurts, though. Come on. It, it hurts, hurts. But when you have situations where you want to think that way, where your XML document is structured that way, XSLT is not such a bad bad place. Although my experience, and I, place. I mean, the only reason I've ever used XSLT for is exactly the scenario I described, where we were working cross-platform and yeah. we needed to be able to transform XML from any of those platforms. Right. And when you actually try and build an XSLT document that will run on multiple mm -hmm. different XML compilers, it's a bear. But my it question, is definitely a subset of the features sure. that is yeah. common across yeah. the platform. Yeah. But the question for that is then, is there anything that XSLT can do that we can't do with with uh, VBXML literals. I'm personally not the expert XSLT so, master. So, I was using it for code generation, and yeah. I have not found a reason not to use a VB's XML. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. I mean, you know, so, I mean, there, there yeah, are I'm sure there cases. Are. If you have the JavaScript library or yeah. a VB script library, you can import that to your XSLT. Right. And you can't do it with, with but you know, when you, when do you really want to do that? I mean, yeah. there I could you know find little bullet points of things that you can do, but in terms of practical, when you would actually want to do these things. Yeah. yeah. Well, right. and and you know, you're you're hinting towards one of those concepts, which would be, I want to do this on the browser. Yeah. The transformation is mm -hmm. going to occur on the browser, and I don't right. have the .NET library available to me right. at, in that context. And actually, that's one thing worth pointing out, that link to XML is there in Silverlight to, right. to specifically address some of those scenarios. Yeah. So, you know, I, I don't, I'm not enough of an XLT expert to say for sure is there some feature or not, but I think it's more around, um, you know, the style of, do I want a, a template-driven way of doing transformation that, you know, is a document that I can pass around independently of the rest of my code, um, or do I want to do it using the native stuff built into the language? And I think it's two different styles, there's yeah. different uh, use cases. There, you're, in that, an interesting thought, that there's an agnosticism to XSLT, mm -hmm. that it's, it's remarkably tolerant to apply yeah. certain you know, templates yeah. to different documents and still get results, yeah. where I think the tendency in the literal model and in the, and yeah. in the uh, link to XML is you really focus on a specific document, you, you, know, you tend to be filtered by the sure. SSD, so yeah. you know, there's restrictions Although you don't there. have to be. You don't have to be, but I think that's a tendency. Right. Yeah. Hey, I just want to give a shout-out real quick to our friends at Data Dynamics who uh, make ActiveReports.net, among other really awesome things. ActiveReports.net is great because uh, it allows you to just build your reports with an easy editor, embed them right in your application, provide PDF and HTML output, give your end users a report editor, royalty-free, of course, a great access report upsizing wizard, and all this for a price that isn't going to break the bank. ActorReports.net from Data Dynamics. Go check it out now at datadynamics.com. And, and just one more point on this. The other thing that comes up in these discussions is xQuery, right? And, um, you know, in terms of, of its query capabilities, you see a lot of overlap there with link to XML. Right. And that's right. one thing. Um, there's a sample that ships with link to XML that shows all of the primary xQuery use cases and what they look like, the equivalent in, in link to XML. So any uh, xQuery experts out there might want to check that out. And they, they do translate pretty well. Very good. Well, it's going to be interesting to see what happens to SQL Server. Yeah. Has gone down the xQuery path, yeah. right? No pun intended. To uh, to really uh, uh, get at XML inside of SQL yeah. Server. Oh, he got that one. <laughs> <laughs> one of the audience members is doubling over with pain in the afternoon. Yeah. So, yeah. but and, and as a SQL guy, I'm fairly resistant to jump into the CLR inside sure. of SQL Server to do uh -huh. stuff like that. Yeah. But that's how I could currently get to link to XML yeah. uh, if I really wanted to. Well, I mean, these are areas that we're looking at. That, right. You know, it really makes sense, and the, the 
link to XML model is great for when you're dealing in the CLR. You know, on the server you have another option. And I mean, it's there's an obvious integration point between the two that we're definitely looking at. It is an interesting scenario mm-hmm. as far as that's concerned. Yeah. And this was just the first go around as well. Yeah. You know, I'm just right. interested to see what comes next. Yeah. yeah. In, in terms of, it, to me, it felt like not a hack, but like somebody's crazy weekend. You know what we could do? And off they went. And it showed up on Monday going, look what I did. What is the origin of the XML world? I mean, I joined the team after it was already well underway. I think that's Eric Myers, maybe. Um, Eric Myers, The man is a font of brilliance. It's scary. We've had him on the show. Mm -hmm. He's uh, just baffling. Right. Even when he's not a head in a box. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, he's one of the smartest people at Microsoft, in my opinion. Yeah, Um, yeah, no, I I think it was... That's that was the kind of the interesting history actually to get the feature in Visual Basic right. as a matter of fact. So it, it was a it was a management sort of leap as well, not just a technical one. Because so there was resistance. Not that it was resistance. It was just how do we get uh, a team to go ahead and check source code into the VB you know source code tree, right? right. This is a team over in SQL Data, right? Well, interesting, yeah. Okay? yeah so that's over. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. So that's Eric Meyer over there, right? right so he's right. got this brilliant idea, and and so that was a, also a, a great uh, management feat at Microsoft to get yeah. this to work, and and so it... Yeah, I'm, it's an interesting thing that another team contributed core code. Core code. Yeah, right. to, to and, the uh, And so, and the, the some, some of the program the managers, compiler. you know, yeah. now are on languages team, too. So, you know, it, it, it's, it was an interesting uh, it's side effect, too. Fascinating yeah. situation. Yeah. Uh, guys, we have a question from the audience. Uh, yep. Ross Michaels here has a question for you. Yeah. Um, base 64 for support. Basics. Now you said you had a question. <laughs> That's a good point. Just, now, what what is the base sixty four encoding support going to and from with respect to literals and XML literals? Well, so there's. Are you talking about now if you have an X, base sixty four XML literal like has content within? Yeah. So, for instance, if there was for some crazy reason you wanted to put a, a giant base sixty four blob in the as an XML literal, can you do you know value as binary or something? You know, dot value as binary. Well, you can't just do the value as binary, but there is in the .NET framework libraries, there's base64 conversion methods that then you would just call on that content. And that would actually give you the same effect with just one extra function call. Right. Any code, any code you write in .NET, you can put right inside of an embedded expression. As I well. believe it's the system not to uh, convert. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, convert you to can actually, base sixty four. You can intersperse, you know, element code, element code, element code, you know, arbitrarily deep, and yeah. it all gets evaluated as one big expression tree. And it brings up a good point that you know that when you're using VBXML literals, your your document is sort of right there, right? So the document has to be there. Richard alluded to this before. If your document is on the disk, you Using link to XML, you're you're not really visualizing and seeing the document right there. But when everything is contained in your in your application like that, you do have access to everything at the .NET framework at your disposal. So that's one advantage over using stuff like XSLT. So if we convinced you, are you a C sharp developer? No, he's a VB.NET developer. No conversions. No conversions today. 
came from C plus came from C plus plus. Ah, it's a strange character. <laughs> well, it's not so strange. It's not so strange. You come from you know, it's like hitting yourself in the head with a hammer. It feels good when you stop. Nice. <laughs> I like that a lot. Well, and I, and I find we got an interesting spectrum in our our panel here because of course Beth is the converter. She's prone to making and and obviously has gotten a hold of Eric. Uh, it sounds like Cheyenne's still on the fence a little. Well, I'm kind of neutral on this. I mean, I, I, so you know, my my team actually owns the the future development of the of the linked XML APIs. Okay. Um, and so obviously we want to enable good experience in in both or all .NET languages and you know. It's just interesting to me to envision that we have this expression language in Link that's yeah. designed to express queries into different data sources mm -hmm. that you're now generating on top of XML literals. Yeah. So we've got a generation layer on a generation layer. Yeah. Do you think there's room for uh, improvement? Do you think that there's any new features that you would like to see? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I know I don't, I'm so, not prying. Yeah. I'm just saying, well, if you I were a developer, can, what would you like so to see? At this point, um, you know, I can't share too much about specific plans, but I'll tell you some areas that we're thinking about. And above all this, you know, we're open to suggestions on this. So we'd love to hear if there are things mm -hmm. that people would like to see. So there's usually um, three main areas that have that have come up when talking about uh, futures for this. Uh, one thing is streaming support. So as we said uh, before, that you know today Link to XML is uh, DOM based. The and DOM needs style loaded, loaded all yeah. right. So being able to do certain forward only streaming scenarios mm -hmm. is is interesting to some people. Uh, um, typed Xlink support is another thing, and so when you're outside of the of the literals world, right, being able to work in terms of types that the compiler understands as opposed to X element with you know, element okay. names and strings. So that's, that, that's, a, that's a little bit different. I just want to make a clarification yeah. point between the the XSD IntelliSense support that sure. we get in Visual Studio, yeah, versus this is actually talking about where we have classes that wrap the XML in a strongly typed way. So for your Office documents, you know, you would have different elements that would represent the part yeah. of the Office document. Sort of a, is it a sort of a mapping to the CLR types? Mapping to CLR types yeah. and then right. back exactly. work there, yeah. Right. So, so that, that's another area. Um, and then the other one is the ability to, you know, somebody mentioned SQL Server before and, and the XQuery support on the bottom. Hmm. So imagine a world where you had a table, it's got an XML column in it, you bring that the data from that table up using link to SQL or link to entities, and then you want to write a query that involves that XML column, and you're able to just write a link to XML expression, and that gets translated and sent to the SQL server, executed as XQuery using all the server's indexes and so on. Wow, so, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. In the world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, if you could do that and generate XSLT, and, yeah, that could be uh, something else to think about. That'd be pushing voodoo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you never know. But, you know, it's interesting because, they, they, I mean, the whole idea of new, making a neutral querying language yeah. means I don't, we're going to get to a place, and I don't think we're there yet, we're going to yeah. get to a place where we no longer know, care what the data store is. We're just writing this expression. And the fact that it happens mm -hmm. to go into a SQL database and into an XML column and yeah. pulls out elements from that XML and brings yep. it all the way back is not our issue. Yeah, right. It's told it what we wanted. Yeah. I think it's a really good approach. I mean, you, you kind of mentioned this when we were talking about trying to write an XSLT that works across multiple platforms. Yes. There have been so many efforts to try and have a standard query language, and they've all failed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so, you know, this way, because it's based in the CLR, because it's actually code, it's not an abstract querying language that we then have to go and implement, yeah. that we should be able to get the full consistency. Yeah. Should be, but the nice thing is we haven't demanded to have that right off the bat. Exactly. Right. Yes. Yeah. I'm, th I'm thinking uh, that's think a show. Does, does anybody else in the audience have any other questions for our panelists? Come on up here, sir. I'll meet you halfway. How's that? Yeah, come on over here out of the camera way. 
Chris, Chris Staley. Yes, I recently stumbled upon uh, linked uh, XSD uh, via Scott Hanselman's blog. And yeah. uh, are there any plans to uh, make that live? So we just released um, an update to the original linked XSD preview that runs on top of the RTM bits of um, Visual Studio 2008. So that's something we don't have definite plans to productize at this point. We are looking at it for a future .NET Framework release, um, but um, no, no concrete timelines yet. Yeah. If, if you've used it in Thanks. projects, send us feedback. Yeah, we'd, we'd love we'd, to hear how and where and why you use it. Yeah, so. that doesn't seem like an obvious idea linked to XSD. Well, it, it, so linked to XSD is sort of a strange name for it because it's not really the XSD that you're querying. Right. It's, it's they're using the XSD to do mapping to classes, loading into those classes, and then being able to do link. Should we link with XSD? Like link with XSD makes yeah, a better yeah. name. Yeah, yeah or XML XS, objects right. was a, another name for that. Project. XSD code gen. I mean, yeah, yeah. you can think of a. Yeah. There's a lot right. of ways you could probably go on that thing. Yeah. And it's that, and it's one of those kind of wacky ideas. Throw it out yeah. there as a CTP and see exactly. who sticks to it. Yeah. And maybe it become a product. Yeah. So it's all up to you. Sir. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys have any final comments before we wrap it up? Um, I just think that uh, Visual Basic is probably the best version ever. <laughs> Not that you're biased. Yeah. This year. Okay. Yeah. So, I, I, so I have a tough time arguing with you, Beth. Uh, yep. You know, it gets too. close to Fox Pro. <laughs> 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 but not quite. And, you know, it, it's all about productivity of Visual yeah. Basic, yeah. right? You know, and, and so this is just one of those those features that you expect Visual Basic to actually have. Yeah. And I expect more things out of it just like this. Yeah. Well, and I think the reaction we're getting to it sort of is conducive to the idea of keep going this way. Yeah. Let's see more like Just that. remember, it made Don XML turn into a VB guy. Yeah. What's up? With that. What is up with that? Aye, aye, aye. Eric? <laughs> I think uh, I'd like to say that I think this is the, a really cool development in that we're now getting actually languages that have different capabilities from within Microsoft. Yeah. You know, F Sharp is another one. And I think you know, that's, that's what I think is the coolest thing is we're now exploring the possibilities of languages for different productivity gains for different problem areas. Now there's some real reasons to look beyond your four walls. Exactly. And yeah. we can stop looking at all those blog posts and forum posts asking for a VB to C Sharp converter. Right. Yeah. 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 Yes, I am. Yeah, um, just that, you know, I'm really encouraged by the uptake we've seen with Link to XML and the XML literals. So as you can see, there's lots of interesting future work that we could do. Um, I think it's still early days and we're, we're gathering feedback. So we'd love to hear from as many people as possible on what they'd like to do. Do you guys have a booth here? Somewhere um, we where people do. There's, can... Well, there's a, an ADO.net uh, booth there that is kind of the data platform. Okay, booth. right. And so we're um, we're there and we It's in the same area as the BBC, BBC Sharp is, Visual Studio yeah. area. Right. Okay. Yeah. All the yeah. dev tools. Yeah. yeah. Very good. Yeah. Well, I'd like to thank uh, Beth Massey, Eric Thompson, and Cheyenne pa uh, Pother for uh, joining us here on stage. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is recorded and produced by Pwop Productions, providing professional audio, audio mastering, video, post-production, and podcasting services. Online at www.pwop.com. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter and offering custom on-site classes in Microsoft development technology with expert developers. Online at www.franklins.net. For more .NET Rocks episodes and to subscribe to the podcast feeds, go to our website at www.dotnetrocks.com.
got a transmitter band by the FCC. Yes, I'm 